0: me later. You're listening to Deeply Rooted with Dr. Kretisa, where we encourage you not only to just wash your hair on wash day, but check your soul. Living in America with natural hair is a unique experience. We should be discussing it and giving witness to our own vulnerable and sometimes hilarious stories, hair stories that encompass much more than just how we style it. Everyone's hair journey is different. Everyone's hair is different. This is a safe space for Black voices. On today's episode, I speak with Jamelia Donaldson, founder and CEO of Treasure Tresses, Europe and Middle East's first monthly product discovery box for women and girls with textured hair, and has been seen and featured in Harper's Bazaar, BuzzFeed, Black Beauty and Hair Magazine, Good Housekeeping, and a lot of prominent other publications. Additionally, Jamelia published an in-depth report titled The Untapped Opportunity in the UK Afro Hair Market, in an effort to draw attention to the lack of provision for those with naturally textured hair in the UK market. The findings of the report expose the fact that the textured hair products are disproportionately expensive compared to those in mainstream categories. While we talk to Jamila all about that interesting information, we will speak about the global availability of black hair products around the world, the adversarial relationships between store owners and patrons, and the dreaded hidden texture tax. Please join me in welcoming Jamilia Donaldson to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much
0: you're very welcome so tell me how long have you been
1: natural how long have you had your natural hair so I've actually been natural all my life I really really wanted a relaxer when I was in my teens um but the strands of my hair are naturally quite fine so my mom always told me that if I did relax my hair my hair would fall out so that kind of scared me away from doing it mm, so okay I never officially relaxed my hair but throughout my teens I did severely straighten and burn my hair how so uh with straighteners (laughs) I was straightening my hair like every other day Mm -hmm. no heat protectant I wasn't deep conditioning in between I don't think I was even conditioning my hair at that stage I had like no hair knowledge whatsoever so Mm -hmm. I would straighten my hair blow dry it I mean shampoo my hair blow dry it straighten it with oil and then just keep straightening it as it reverted back until it just stopped reverting back altogether because it was so damaged.
0: Yeah, did you have to, um, did you go through like a
1: slow transition to build that back or did you do a big chop? Yeah, I steadily transitioned from heat damage to healthier hair. Okay, nice. What was that experience like for you? Humbling, <laughs> <laughs> very, very humbling. Um, I had a lot of comments like, What is going on with your hair? Are you wearing your hair like that? Like we're going out? Is your hair coming with us like that? <laughs> oh. Did you hurry Very... up some time to get ready? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is this is the style. This is what we're moving with. Um, so it, it was definitely a challenge. Um, it. I always say that like going on a hair journey takes you on much more of a deeper soul journey that you almost don't expect. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I think calling it a hair journey is the correct terminology rather than just like hair care. Um, It is literally a hair journey. So it definitely had me questioning so many different things and primarily like what my obsession with straight hair was and where that came from and why I was so hell-bent on equating straight hair to beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, So it allowed me to just ask myself some really um, quite challenging questions Um, But ultimately allowed me to explore beauty in all forms and in particular black beauty, because
0: Mm.
1: as you can tell, I'm in I live in the UK. I'm from London. While London is a super multicultural city, when it comes to press, it's just not. And media is very white. So Mm. you don't see the reflections of beauty. So I know that I went out of my way to seek American publications and digest American media Mm. because that was the only place that I could find women who looks like me mm-hmm. and so Instagram became my best friend for the right reasons because I was seeking out images of women who were on their hair journey or who just had really healthy full natural hair mm-hmm. um across all um across the whole spectrum of textures just so that I could get a good understanding of okay what what can I expect how should I take care of my hair what products should I use mm-hmm. and then that led me to ultimately forming Treasure Trust out of that curiosity and equally, the frustration that I couldn't get my hands on the products that I wanted.
0: Awesome. We are going to get all into Treasure Chest because I have my whole, I have a whole personal experience now on what it feel, feels like to receive oh, good uh, Treasure Chest. Time. Yes, it was, listen, I had a whole, like, a jump up and down moment. I was, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy I have no to idea that. why I was so excited, but maybe we'll reflect on that before, but, or later. Yeah. But when you, you said something that piqued my interest, you said that during your early parts of your transition, like you noted that there were differences in your hair than other people and you wanted to seek um, other images of yourself yeah. people that look just like you. Um, can you tell me what you thought about yourself and your hair before you found these, these people, these outlets?
1: At first, I thought like, hmm, I wonder what my hair is really like, because my mum done my hair as a child. I didn't ever like the way that she done it. So I always undone it and redone it myself. But
0: <laughs> How did she do my... it?
1: <laughs> just in cameras, but just, okay. like, I would give her an idea of the style that I want and it just never looked the way that I envisaged. So mm. that led me to learning how to camera at quite a young age because I knew how I wanted my hair to look and my mum just wasn't doing what I wanted. So <laughs> I figured out how to do it myself. Okay. Um, And then then I was straightening my hair. So even as a child, I didn't really ever see my hair. in it's like wet state because as soon Mm. as it was washed, it was blow dried. And then equally as a teen, I didn't see it because as soon as I washed it, it was probably still straight from the heat damage. And I went straight into the straight, the blow drying and straightening system. And then I, um, so I was curious, like, what what is my hair going to look like? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make it work long term? Because, I mean, I can go through this awkward stage, but the awkward stage can't be forever. Um, and then... I think everyone has their idea of what their hair is going to look like when they yeah. go natural based on the like 3B, 3A images. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you that's... desire, <laughs> whatever yeah. you get
0: in the, in the picture and you're like, I desire that. That's not you, honey.
1: <laughs> and then um, I would say that even once I went natural, it took me a few years to like really get comfortable with my texture, being that I am an absolute sucker for braid outs. I'm a sucker for like braiding mm-hmm. curls. I love a bun. Um, So it took me a while to give myself the freedom to explore all of those without feeling guilty. Because I think at one point I did feel like, "Mm, am I trying to mimic that texture too much by doing a braid out? Mm. And then another part of me was like, no, this is just actually a really easy way for me to manage my hair. And I like the way it looks. So I'm not going to beat myself up about that. Um, And now I feel like I just explore my hair in all of its states. Like I genuinely enjoy... It's texture, whether it's like stretched out, whether it's in a bun, whether it's in a braid out braids. I genuinely enjoy my hair now. And I don't think that I could have said that earlier.
0: Yeah, that's awesome that you were able to do that. When you reflected on your like internal perspectives of your hair, I guess, what did you find out? Like, I know that for me, I have a, a preoccupation still with length. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's something that I'm still trying to like unpack a little bit more, a little bit like another level.
1: So what about you? Um, same. Length was definitely a thing, but I think that gave me like my first boost of confidence and length was actually what even um pushed me to embark on my natural hair journey in the beginning okay because I was as much as I was straightening my hair and I had cut my hair into a bob Mm
0: -hmm. it wasn't
1: like my hair was massively longer before then and once I cut it into a bob it didn't ever seem to really grow out of that and so my first encounter with the natural hair community was me googling why doesn't black girls hair grow
0: Mm. and
1: then when I googled that I realized that it actually wasn't true and that there were so many women who were on these natural hair journeys who had built these regimens that were really working for them so mm. um, once I started doing that even though I was still straightening my hair that's when I began like moisturizing my ends moisturizing and sealing my ends protective mm. styling and mm. that allowed me to grow my hair beyond the bob which was almost a plateau for quite a while And I started to see real length and that kind of gave me the confidence to say, "Okay, so there's nothing wrong with me. My hair is growing Mm -hmm. and there are things that I can do with my hair. So let me continue to delve deeper. So as much as I know that there is this almost toxic preoccupation with length, I would say that seeing length for the first time opened up the reality of the fact that there isn't anything wrong with black hair and it just needs to be nurtured.
0: Yes, a lot of, there was something that you said there, like we get a lot of messages throughout our life that it's our hair is the problem. Our hair can't do what we need it to do. Our hair is stubborn. It's our, the problem yeah. is our hair. When really, when you go through this natural hair journey, you realize that your hair is not the problem. The 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 environment in which your hair is trying to thrive and you are trying to thrive is, is unproductive and it's unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really glad that you are opening up the eyes of a lot of other people you are doing big things big international things so please tell us about your initiatives and tell us about the impact you're making in business and in natural hair over
1: where you are and in in the world actually sure so in 2015 I created treasure trust which is Europe's largest subscription box for those with naturally kinky curly hair That was born out of my own frustration because I couldn't gain access to the products that I wanted. Mm -hmm. There were tutorials on YouTube, uh, videos and posts on Instagram. And I felt really left out. (laughs) I wanted to try these products Um, throughout my professional career. And even while I was studying in university, I spent a lot of time on um, in New York and Atlanta. And that opened me up to so many different hair care brands and just so many different options when it came to hair. So after spending some time in New York as a student and getting ready to graduate, um, I discovered subscription boxes in the States first. And then when I looked back at the UK market, there wasn't anything of the kind dedicated to just hair care. Mm. So I said to myself, I'll give it about a year or two. If nothing pops up, then I'm just going to create it because I could see how useful they are as far as, um, trialing new products without completely breaking the bank, mm-hmm. um, exposing you to new brands that you wouldn't even consider. And then I began to imagine how useful it was for brands as well, with the amount of data and feedback that they can collect by being in these boxes. So I got back to the UK. I started a um, my first graduate position in asset management, and I was there for just under three years. And in about the second year, I started building Treasure Trust's first an Instagram page and then by the time I decided to leave I had already built it to become a business um I think we only had like 30 subscribers or something like that but mm-hmm. uh, I was really actually no I think it was about 100 um but I was really determined to see what I could make of it so that's a like long story short where the inspiration came from mm-hmm. primarily because in the UK and up until this point we still don't have as much of a range as America. Um, But I definitely wanted to help educate my friends and family and those in my wider network on how to take care of their hair. And eventually we started seeing orders from all over the world, like everywhere from Japan to Abu Dhabi to America, France, Amsterdam, women ordering our boxes who equally were just really keen to take better care of their hair. embark on what felt like a sisterhood and a shared experience of unboxing each month Mm -hmm. but most importantly carving out time to take care of themselves and their hair
0: yes I can imagine what it's like so when I got the treasure chest box I went I kind of just got very very excited I I was walking around the house carrying the box I'm like you and you and and your uh, administrative assistant told me you guys were sending me a box it still arrived and it was like Christmas morning and (laughs) I am looking at these and not only was I happy to receive the box when I received the box and opened it and I saw the products that were in there they were Literally all of them on my list of things to buy. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. And also that they were perfect for my porosity of my hair and my texture. And so I was very, very excited. I was excited to take care of my hair. I was excited to, I felt special and cared for when I received that box. And so I am very, very happy that you are sharing that experience with the rest of the world because it really is meaningful and it sticks
1: with you. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that.
0: Now, I heard that there's something called a hidden texture tax. Text. Can you tell us about what that is?
1: Sure. So um, what I actually didn't mention when I was talking about the early days of Treasure Dress was that when I was trying to find data to support the business idea, mm-hmm. I was really, really struggling to find any data on Black British consumers. Mm -hmm. I could only find data on African-American consumers, and there's so much, um, which is obviously really useful as a starting point, but not entirely when you live in the UK and you've got a completely different experience. Um, There's actually so many differences between Black British culture, African-American culture, um, even down to ethnicity. Mm -hmm. There are some really key differences, um, and I couldn't find any data to back it up. So... After about three years of running Treasure Trust, I had the idea to, in fact, release my own report that would provide that insight and that knowledge to the industry, because I knew that it was lacking and I knew how helpful it would be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in October 2021, we released a white paper which was free to the market, which was called the Untapped Opportunity in the UK Afro Hair Market. And that mm-hmm. highlighted the key differences between African-American consumers versus Black British consumers. Um, So everything from like where we shop. So what was really interesting was that African-American, just under 50% of African-American women buy their hair products in supermarkets, whereas only 1% of Black British women buy products in supermarkets. So Mm. it's like key differences in the way that we shop and therefore the way that retail provides for us. And so the white paper was really well received. It was picked up and read by the key retailers in the industry, Research houses like Mintel, universities were reading it. Um, It was really, really successful. So as a follow-up, we decided to release the official trend report, the untapped opportunity in the UK Afro hair market. Mm -hmm. And I partnered with um, Maz Masibo, who's an absolute genius, who runs a company called Translate Culture. And then I actually had one of my university lecturers, who is now a professor, and Professor Laura Chamberlain, join us and write the trend report together. And ultimately, while I was talking to Laura, who's a white woman, um, I was talking to her about the trend, about the white paper, like the key findings and what mm-hmm. the new data that we had collected was telling us. And we got to speaking about frequency of um, purchasing products or repurchasing products. Okay. And I was saying that for me, I use a, a leading conditioner at least once every two days. And she was like, oh, that's absolutely crazy. I buy a leading conditioner and I use it once a month. And I was like, what? (laughs) She was like, yeah. So she was like, so you're telling me that not only are products for black hair more expensive, but you're also telling me that black women purchase products much more frequently. She was like, "Jamelia, there's really something in that. And so as we began, we began to unpack it, we realized that the best way to define it would be by coining it a hidden texture Mm tax in that. black women not in the uk not only are products harder to access they're harder to find they're more expensive and we use them more frequently Mm -hmm. and yet we're still underserved in the market um versus white women who have the complete opposite experience do you have like black hair stores in the uk we do okay (laughs) and they are a traumatic experience (laughs) if you decide to go there tell me tell us about it um to be honest what is funny is that when I was living in Brooklyn and I went to my hair shop in that neighborhood, Mm -hmm. he was actually the cousin of one of the big um, black hair shops in the UK, but all of them, pretty much all of them are Asian owned. Um, And the treatment of black women, black consumers in there, in my experience is not great. There's absolutely no product knowledge. And there just seems to be a complete disregard and disinterest in even learning that knowledge so that you can pass it on to your customers it feels very very transactional and for something as sacred as black beauty I feel like it can never be transactional it always needs to be relationship based
0: yes yes Mm. it's one of the moments where you just snap and the (laughs) the words marinate because I mean that is real we are these are when I hear you talk about the Black stores in the UK, I think about the same experience here in America in that we go into these stores, they're predominantly run by Asian people, and there is no real, like, there's no real care, and it's almost Mm -hmm. like a a level of, like, resentment, like, I don't necessarily like you but Mm -hmm. i need to live off of what of the money that you provide for my family and keeping our business open but like i really don't like serving like it really feels like i don't like y'all just come in pick what you want ask the other black girls how you feel like if there's a good product for you and then pay and get out
1: yeah it feels about the same and it's even down to like the shopping experience so i don't think the space K exists in the states say that one more time does Space NK exist as a store in the States?
0: Not that I know of. There's so many mom and pop uh, stores. I don't think there are any like large hair brands or hair franchises across the US.
1: Okay. So there's a store called Space NK, which is like a chain of um, cosmetic stores. So almost like Sephora. Okay. Um, And I always compare the experience at Space NK versus the experience at a black hair shop. So If you walk into Space NK, the walls are white, the shelves are glass, there's very few products on the shelf, great lighting, great customer service. And that's where white women have the option to go and purchase any product that they want. Mm -hmm. And then black women, it's like a really dark, really dull, badly lit shop with dozens of products on the shelves in no order that makes sense whatsoever dusty wow. shelves, terrible customer service. And for me, the contrast is just so stark that I can't believe that more people don't speak about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I have very strong feelings about that experience. And uh, one of the things that we actually done in response to it was in 2018, we launched our first pop-up shop which has now become an annual pop-up shop and the first one was called a retail revolution like that was the theme for that year a retail revolution what black hair shops should look like and feel like so we had a dj we had the products organized in a way that made complete sense we had a braid bar we had a nail bar amazing lighting content creators giving you advice on what products to use and try um, a DJ. It was a just completely different vibe. And that was our statement to the industry of like, this is what Black women expect and this is what we should be provided with. And anything below this is very substandard. Wow. I'm over here just shocked and um, also grateful for
0: what I did not know was a privilege over here. Even though it's a difficult experience, there are more difficult experiences around the world. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When you are hmm, considering the financial strengths right now and just how everyone is doing financially, Mm -hmm. hair and hair products, black hair experience has become very expensive. And so when you're talking about this hidden texture tax, and you're also talking about the pressure, socio-political pressure um, and socioeconomic pressure to even wear your hair in a certain way. And now we're having the I feel like the money and the expectations are now meeting each other in this very mm-hmm. interesting period of time where it's like, no, we don't have money, but we also need to show up in a certain way to like. be economically advanced and to get anywhere and to get jobs and to to perform in the way that we need to and grow in the way that we need to and it's sad that our hair is one of those things that is problematic for the rest of the world
1: yeah absolutely is
0: there anything that you would like to see in the natural hair community in the
1: future Um, yes, I would say that things that I would want to see in the natural hair community, um, I think there's been a lot of conversation online about like the demise of the natural hair community and how it didn't really serve its purpose. And in some ways it was quite regressive because of texturism and colorism. I think it would be like a reemergence of black beauty and the celebration of the full spectrum of black beauty Mm -hmm. I think that that is that would be greatly appreciated and something that we try to do as best we can um, in campaigns in events social media Mm -hmm. I feel like we all have a responsibility just to bring back reignite and put some more excitement behind diversity in black beauty rather than just moving forward with one one aesthetic as the blueprint and the goal and the beauty standard.
0: How can the U.S. population find out more information about the natural hair world just in, in various places but for you specifically
1: what about in in London UK where can we find information? Learn? Sure I would definitely say by following TreasureTress <laughs> mm-hmm. at treasuretress t-r-e-s-s um, and then there's a ton of natural hair influencers in the UK who are really vocal about their experiences. So good places to start would be Culture UK, UK Afro-Leaster, um, Near the Light is really well known in the States, I believe. Um, we've got a really good relationship with a ton of small influencers and content creators yeah. who I think are really pivotal to keeping conversations and moving the mark. One being the curly rebel, who's an older lady who has amazing natural hair. But it's so good to see her experience with her hair at her age versus um, younger influencers.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, there's there's a few. Um, days is a beautiful, beautiful Cuban who creates some really beautiful content um, and speaks up about breast cancer a lot because she's actually got stage four cancer. And so she shares her natural hair journey, but then she also just shares her appreciation for life and her healing journey. So there's a ton, um, all of which you can find from Treasure Trust because we work really closely with them um, to promote their work. And likewise, uh, they do lots of content for us.
0: Jamelia thank you so very much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And I am now a fan and will be following your career in whole. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're a part of the family no. now, which means we cannot let you go. If there's anything no. in the future that we could do to support you or your mission, you just let us know and we will we will come in forces for you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. So, okay y'all, if you've ever heard me talk anything about why like how I fan out about like other black women, I like go on LinkedIn and read their whole profile <laughs> and just get really excited and like impressed by their work and their commitment and things that they've accomplished and it just gives me inspiration and lots of all the feels. So, Jamelia is one of those people that I saw and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to have her on the show. She would be amazing. And it just worked. However, my final thought this time might be a little stronger than in previous episodes because I am kind of, I can't even say kind of, I am absolutely done spending time in places that don't want us or don't want to accept us and make room. I was so sad to hear that Black women all over the world are having the same adversarial relationship with the hair store owners and the lack of availability of products for them. Um, despite the largest demographic in beauty industry, like who we spend the most money, we go all out on this. There's a huge demand, but people aren't doing their due diligence to provide us good products and to make sure that they are available and that we can get them with dignity and respect. So I want us to demand excellence from those serving our community. I want us to take up space or better yet, create your own space just like Jamelia did. Let the motto of 2023 be, don't get in where you fit in. Get into you and fit in anywhere you go because nothing else matters more than how you see yourself and how comfortable you are with who you are. When you get into yourself, you can stand up for what is for you and what's not. When you know who you are, you will think highly of yourself. And it becomes much easier to make decisions on whether to leave something behind or not, whether to leave those hair store owners or not. When you're compassionately in tune with yourself, You start to believe that you deserve more. And like I always say, this is always easier said than done. So remember, be nice to yourself. Thank you for tuning in to Deeply Rooted with Dr. Kortisa. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to share and support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and share the show with family and friends. And remember, on wash day... Don't just wash your hair. Check your soul. Thanks for listening to the show. This is brought to you by Alive Podcast Network.